Chapter 6, More Loved Than You Know. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. One day an angel appeared to a young girl. It sounds crazy and just a little bit flaky already, but it happened. This angel was important powerful, and quite frankly, pretty terrifying. While the girl was kind of nobody, just a poor teenager in a small town. The angel was named Gabriel, and the girl was named Mary. When Gabriel showed up, he scared Mary to death, which actually kind of makes sense because the Old Testament describes angels as these cosmic, deadly, otherworldly warriors with various sets of wings who also happened to be on fire. In other words, a normal girl in a hick town was doing some laundry one day when all of a sudden a huge alien-looking special forces general engulfed in flames just materialized into the visible reality of her room, flying around and saying, greetings. Mary was scared, but she heard him out. He said that God was pleased with her and had chosen her for a special mission. The mission, should she choose to accept it, would be to miraculously get pregnant without having had sex, and then give birth to a little boy whom she would name Jesus. This boy would be great among men. He would be the Son of God, the promised Messiah. He would be the King of the whole world in the line of David, and his reign would never, ever end. Not your normal day in little old Nazareth, right? I mean, Mary knew the scriptures. She knew that her people had been waiting on the Messiah to come since the time of Abraham. She knew that this was basically the biggest thing to happen to her or any of her people in hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Not only that, but it was happening to her. I'm sure it was equal parts exciting and frightening. She was going to give birth to the king of kings. Her baby would be the answer to the prayers of millions of people. This was incredible. An honor, to say the least. But there was a catch, and I'm sure it was on Mary's mind. What about Joseph? If she said yes to God's plan, what would people think? Would anyone believe her, or would they just assume that she had been fooling around? Would Joseph believe her? Would Joseph still marry her? Would he still want her? What if he changed his mind? What if he called off the wedding? What if she wound up alone and unloved? Well, many years before this angelic interruption, another young girl was feeling alone and unloved, even though she was already married. Abraham's son Isaac had his own sons named Esau and Jacob. Jacob had wormed his way into the place of prominence by deception, but in the midst of all his scheming and trickery, the tables had turned on him. Someone had managed to con the con man, and it went down like this. Jacob left home and met the girl of his dreams at a well. Her name was Rachel, and she kind of liked him back. She ran home, told her father Laban all about this boy, who then welcomed Jacob into their home. 
Jacob, it turns out, was handy around the family farm, and after a month of proving himself as a good man and a hard worker, Laban said, I love having you here, but I don't want you working for free, so name your price. To which Jacob said that the only thing in the world he wanted was to marry Laban's daughter, Rachel. He actually went so far as to say that he would even work for seven years for free just to have her hand in marriage. That sounded good to Laban. So Jacob worked for seven whole years that felt like a couple of minutes because of his love for Rachel. Now, of course, all this sounds very romantic and picturesque, like like a classic love story. But on the side, in the shadows, there was another story unfolding that wasn't happy at all. You see, Laban had two daughters, Rachel and her older sister, Leah. Rachel was everyone's favorite. She was beautiful. Everyone said so. But no one really talked about Leah. She was the kind of girl who was at the party, but you only know that because she managed to make it into the background of a few of the photos. No one fell in love with Leah at first sight. And now her little sister was engaged, and she didn't have a man or any prospects of finding one. In their culture, it was shameful. But more than that, it was just hard to be unwanted. After the seven years was up, Jacob was ready for his wedding, and Laban had a mischievous plan cooking. He couldn't let his youngest daughter get married first and shame his oldest daughter, so he decided to disguise Leah as Rachel for the wedding ceremony and give her to Jacob instead of Rachel. Now, back in the day, those weddings were week-long parties with lots of late nights, lots of music, lots of dancing, and loads of wine. The women wore veils that covered them up almost completely, and Jacob was probably not in complete command of his faculties when he said, I do, and then took his new bride away to, you know, make things official. The next morning, Jacob woke up with a massive hangover and a huge surprise as he discovered, to his horror, that the girl he married was not Rachel, but Leah. But wait a minute. Can you imagine how Leah must have felt? What if your honeymoon was cut short by the angry rants of your husband who was screaming and cussing and calling his lawyers all because he desperately did not want to be married to you? Wow. Eventually, Laban agreed to let Jacob marry Rachel as well, which didn't make anything better. You see, now Leah's sister had her husband's heart and shared his bed. Somehow Leah had become the third wheel in her own marriage. And then something happened that Leah hoped would change everything. She was pregnant. Her beautiful and amazing little sister had not given Jacob any children yet, so she thought, surely Jacob will love me since I'm having his baby. But it didn't work. It didn't change anything. And Jacob still didn't want the woman he was tricked into marrying. Leah had another baby, and then another, hoping these sons would turn the tide of Jacob's affections, but nothing worked. Finally, Leah got pregnant a fourth time and gave birth to yet another son. But by this point, she had given up hoping and dreaming to have Jacob's heart. When this little boy was born, she said to herself, I'm just going to praise the Lord. 
My husband may not want me, but, but God hears me. God sees me, and, and God is blessing me. She named the boy Judah, which means praise. And many years later, as Jacob lay dying, surrounded by his 12 sons, he spoke a blessing over them. And the blessing over Judah was that his tribe would one day rule the others. And that one day, a descendant of Judah would be the king of the whole world. This is the one Gabriel announced to Mary. He is the one who was born to the little teenage girl no one believed. The poor little baby laid in the straw on the first Christmas was from the tribe of Judah. Which means that Jesus was a great, 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 great grandson of Leah's. The girl no one wanted wound up being a queen. The ancestor of the king of kings. There are people who think no one loves them. And part of the reason Jesus came was to show them just how much he does, just how much he cares. If you think you aren't very important or that you don't measure up to everyone else, Christmas was for you. If you think no one wants you and that no one finds you lovely, Christmas was for you. If you think that no one cares, a king has come all the way from heaven just to show you that to him, there's no one in the world like you.